Welcome back to the Better Man, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb, and I want to thank you for joining us for the, the first time, or if you are joining us again as a returning guest, listener, I want to really give you a special thank you for trusting in us to deliver some good value, and I'm glad that you found some value to listen to it again. Here in the Better Man, Better Ball Player podcast, we are looking to dive into, listen to how coaches are not only helping men get better from a, from a physical standpoint, but also how they are teaching the game and the lessons we learn through baseball to help them become better men outside of the game. Because uh, what we also have seen so far throughout the podcast listening is that the commonality between the great players, they all have some type of great mental mindset and great mental skills. So no other than the guest we have on today that I get a chance to talk to is Trent Mongero. Coach Mongero uh, coaches out of Georgia, coaches at Glenn Academy in Brunswick, Georgia. He is the creator, founder of the National Elite Infield Camp, part of with Trotsky Baseball. He's an author of Winning Baseball. It's a book as well as video that has tons of information, tons of resources for people to follow. And you can check us out on YouTube. Uh, there's a big following there. Um, he's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, you can see him on Mongero Mondays. He's the creator of that. You follow him on Facebook. He also does Trotsky Tuesdays with Nate Trotsky. Uh, where they talk about infield. I know they're getting ready to do a Sirius XM show as well. Um, you know, but he spent 26 years as a head, high school head coach, 29 overall. And uh, 2017, he took his North Hall team from Georgia to the first state championship in high school history in their in their history. He's been three-time regional coach of the year as well as two-time Georgia coach of the year. And in 2017, he was the national high school coach of the year. Just an incredible teacher of the game, very fundamentally sound. You hear a lot of that uh, coming up through all of his routines that he believes is important for people to know. He gets in and talks to us about his big five that every person should be doing each time, every day. Uh, he talks about how players haven't changed. Players haven't changed. It's a matter of the things that are around them that has changed. So it's speaking from a good coach there. His servant leadership um, and how he help wants to help others and he discusses his why why he's a high school coach and why he chooses to do that and how he keeps that on the forefront of every decision everything he makes so Trent Mongero is just a phenomenal uh, coach uh, very huge following just does the the right way and is the right person and fortunate to have a conversation with him we just had a great conversation especially right before he's going to camp. He's extremely busy this weekend, and for him to fit me in and have give me an hour to talk, it was just it was awesome. And so really enjoyed this one. Um, hopefully have more of him, and I uh, really wish I could have got to the infield camp because he was here close in Maryland. He was in D.C., but due to COVID, and there was just no visitors allowed and parents weren't even allowed. So, um, you know, but hopefully another time I get to, get to actually go see him and but yes, but I couldn't recommend his stuff more. Uh, if you haven't checked out Winning Baseball, check them out on Twitter. What they're doing is just um, it's pretty incredible stuff. So without further ado, I just want to welcome 
And again, thank Coach Trent Mongaro, head coach at Glen Academy in Brunswick, Georgia. Well, there hasn't been a lot stay consistent. There's been a lot of change. Um, the one thing that's really been consistent to me are the kids because we always say the kids are changing and, and in, a, in a way they are, but we set the tone, we set the expectation and um, basically the kids will respond. You know, if they know you care and you're organized and you're giving them your best, you know, you can build a culture um, that represents the hard work, the commitment, the dedication, all the things that we've, we've seen and I've seen now for 29 years. Um, the big change has been the parents, um, the landscape of tribal baseball, showcase baseball, a um, lot more selfishness, having to fight that element, you know. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, uh, but it's still baseball and I still love to do it. And, you know, uh, I'm still inspired by my why. And that was, I, I did not have a positive high school experience at all with baseball. I was fortunate to persevere through because of goals that I had. And I knew that it could be better and it eventually became a lot better. Um, but uh, I chose to be a high school coach because of that. And, uh, you know, here we are, you know, year 29. So, um, you know, yeah, th those are the things that I see that have changed and then that remain the same. In a nutshell, I mean, I could go down a lot of rabbit trails with that one for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. We can talk about small ball, things like that, you know, and, and even just the simple things of what how infields change. But, I mean, I just love how you say it. It just shows, I think, the amount of leadership that you have to say the kids haven't changed, you know, because we're going to be able to mold those kids and do those things through the kind of culture that we have. So I think that it really speaks to your leadership for sure. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm trying my best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, so, I mean, thinking of, um, you know, like how have you, within your program, you know, like you, you've talked about the, the culture, like, so in the showcases and things like that, that's what's really changed. So have you really had to put more emphasis on being a teammate uh, here recently? And how do you do that? Yeah, I would say I spend a great deal of time teaching the kids what I want them to know. Um, I don't assume that they know anything. And I'm, I'm talking now about their perspective of what it means to be a teammate, you know, what it means to be on a team. You know, what are we trying to get out of this from a personal standpoint, a developmental standpoint, a futuristic standpoint, you know, things that can, I can take with me for the rest of my life. Um, I spend a great deal of time. I, I talk to them all the time about uh, the importance of being a teammate. And if I see a tweet or I see a quote, um, I see an interview, I'll screen record it, I'll screen capture it, um, you know, crop it down, shoot it out in the group me, um, make, a, make a comment. Um, I don't know if I, you lost my picture there. I had a call come in, but uh, okay. just, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I um, you know, I'm constantly trying to reinforce what I want them to understand. And then whenever I have examples within my own program of guys that are representing what it means to be a great teammate, what it means to be committed, you know, the sacrifice, I, I you know, I call them, call them out in a good way. I use them as an example, uh, as a better way to put it. Um, so, um, and as soon as we finish with this question, I'm going to go tell them to turn that music off unless it's not bothering you. No, I don't hear um, it at all. 
Okay. All right, cool. Because I don't have headphones in, so you're just getting your natural sound here. Okay. But uh, no, I think we have to sell what we want the kids, you know, to embrace. You just can't assume, especially now more than ever. Um, and believe me, even 29 years ago, there were still kids that were selfish. I think that's a little bit of the human element. I mean, we all want what we want, right? We all want to play. We all want to start. We all want to be that guy. We want, you know, if we have goals to play in college, we have the tendency to start putting that in front of what's important for the team. So it's not like this is something new. We just see a greater percentage of it now um, than ever. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, to me, you got to do everything that you can to create the mindset in the players that you're wanting them to embrace. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like so? And you've heard a lot of, you know, you, I see you at the conventions. I know you're there. You're, you're a constant learner. And you heard a lot of talk about the classroom. So do you, you know, in your facility, do you guys spend the time in the, in the classroom or you spend a lot more time in the offseason doing those things? Well, very, very blessed. So in the fall, I have my baseball players for an hour and a half every day. Um, we're not technically in the classroom, but we are. Uh, we're in an old gym that was built in 1928. And for any of you that have ever seen the movie Hoosiers, um, it looks exactly like that gym. So the new generation is going, huh? Hoosiers, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, guys like you and me that have seen the movie, we understand the old time gym, um, literally built during the Depression. You know, Glen Academy, where I teach, is the second oldest high school in the state of Georgia. It's a public school. It's the uh, fifth oldest high school in the United States of America. So this gym that, that I have is just, I mean, literally our weight room is on half of the gym. On the gym floor, it's like, you know, it's a small gym floor. You know, you know how they, you barely had any out of bounds. Remember yep. that? Yeah, it stayed there and everything. Up stands, yep. you know? um, so half the gym, it's not used for basketball anymore. We have other gyms for that. But um, so we have the weight room and then we have um, half of it is just the floor to do. We have ladders painted, dots painted. We can do any, And we have big brick walls everywhere to do all sorts of wall wall stuff. So it's a classroom in the sense that I, when I want to talk to them about something, we have a big TV that I can pull up something on. I do occasionally, or I just sit them down and start talking to them about what's important or something that's happened or something that I've sent them in group me or just something that they need to hear. Um, whatever it is, I, I'm not quite like Tim Corbin where I set up these, these huge, uh, where I have this, you know, uh, curriculum. I'm getting curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a curriculum. Um, I just really, I'm more of a teach in the moment, like, you know, like the pulse of of whatever your team kind of needs. We're going to dive into that. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yep. Will you start, will you start off with like a kid's goals or like what, as a program, do you have certain standards that you've kind of created or are you around that? Or is it mostly just, just you know, I mean, you know, again, I, one of the big things I want to convey here is like, you know, I don't have these pie in the sky, like, you know, like I'm not Mr. Perfect coach. I I do the things that I feel like are most important. And we have like what we call the script. Um, And it's, it's kind of a, I don't like the name of it because it kind of sounds like we have some sort of secret sauce, but it's really just a process of developing a culture um, that I have found to be successful. It's worked for me. Um, and that involves different things. Now, like I don't have the typical sit down goal meeting 
where we're going to talk about your personal goals and team goals. I mean, our goals are pretty simple. They're to win the region championship, which a region in Georgia is like a big conference. And then we want to win the state title. So step one is region. Step two is state championship. And, you know, beyond that is to help you because your personal goals come behind the team goals is to, you know, achieve anything that you can possibly achieve. And I, within that, I share with them how important it is to have a resume with me. Um, something that, you know, I, what I mean by that is like where I get to know the kids, like, like in a way that I can speak on their behalf to a coach accurately, um, with Pat and passion. I can like tell you, if you were a college coach, if I'm talking about Johnny, you know, I can truly tell you what this kid is like, what's his makeup, what's his commitment, what's his skill levels, what's his strengths and weaknesses, what's his academic like, what's his family life like. That to me is the, you know, the most important thing. So back in my early days, I did more like, you know, sheet of paper. Today we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about, you know, everybody's going to write down their personal goals and their team goals and that kind of thing. And I've just moved away from that. I, I, it doesn't mean it's right or it's wrong. As a coach, you get to decide what you want to do. I mean, you know, we, we, we have our simple goals for a team. Uh, they're very specific in everything that we do. Like, basically, our, our motto is brick by brick. Okay, we're building a championship program, a championship season every single day. Every day we, we put a new brick down to, you know, as we go to build this, this season. Um, and to me, that's all they really need to know. We come and we, we concentrate on giving our best effort. It's uh, irrelevant to how we feel. Feeling good is overrated. You'll hear me and Nate talk about that all the time. Um, and I convey that to my players. You got to find out what motivates you. You got to come to work. We're going to put the brick down as the team and you're going to put a brick down individually towards your goals, whatever those goals are to be a starting infielder at, on the varsity level. Or do you want to, you know, play collegiately or professionally? What are, what are your goals? So um, anyways, that's, um, that's how I do it as opposed to really sitting down and making them write them. Now I, I will tell them that it's a good idea to have those written down somewhere themselves you know, but um, I should be able to know what their goals are by speaking with them, by watching them go to work, because their work is going to tell me where they're headed, right? Their intent. You can tell me you got all these goals, but if your behaviors aren't matching up, you know, it's going to be pretty evident right away. So if you're one of my players and you're getting after it every day, you know, you know, I'm going to talk, hey, you know, we're, uh, you you get after it every day. The consistency level is impressive, you know, and you start to talk to them and find out really where they want to go in life, what they want to do, what they want to become. Um, and you just keep reinforcing those positive, you know, storylines with as many players as you can on a daily basis. So and those high school coaches that are with me will tell you it's tough. It's tough to talk to the kids as much as a college coach because we're teaching class, you know, we're having practice, we're having workouts. I mean, we go all year. So like, you know, the guys take some breaks here and there, but, um, you know, we start four-on-ones. We're already in four-on-ones in Georgia. So in fact, we got them today. My assistant's running them. Um, you know, we'll have five sessions of four players um, focus on defense for two and a half months. And then we'll go to offense, you know, in, in Georgia, we start our high school season like January 13th, I think it starts tryouts. So, I mean, it gets on us quick. And then we stay together for the summer and play in tournaments. So I'm around these guys an awful lot. Like, 
So um, I really get to know them. And if I was a coach that didn't get to spend as much time with them, I might be more inclined to, to have them write things out yeah. so that I can go look at them and go, hey, all right, now let's talk about this. I see you wrote this down. Let's talk about it. Yeah. And that works. I mean, that works, you know, for some people. But I think you see now why. But, you yeah, know, you I know your kids so well and you spend so much time that it does that and it's not necessary. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. No, so I'm it not. depends on your scenario as a coach, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of coaching really is that's the beautiful thing about all of this is when it's your program, you get to decide how it works. You know, of course, I think if you're smart, you take, you know, you learn from others and you grow and you, you take the input of your assistants. But ultimately it comes down to you to, to what you want to do. Do you want to spend a lot of time over here working on a curriculum, you know, like Tim Corbin does. If I was in a college scenario like him, there's no doubt in my mind, I'd be implementing something like that. You know, um, but, um, you know, so, yeah, it's, it's really a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, that's that's the exciting thing is to figure out what works and do your thing. For sure. For sure. That was that was fantastic. So have you seen uh, so those guys who are like um, he felt like basically have a good makeup and, and you see like the behaviors are matching them. Are, are there certain are there certain traits that you've seen out of the guys that you've you know I know you've had plenty of guys that you've coached collegially that went co- and then as well as professionally are you do you see a common thread between those kids? Um, yes, I do. Um, commitment is off the charts. Uh, Self motivation is off the charts. Um, you know, they're just very driven, um, and you know they they are willing to go above and beyond to make their dreams come true. Uh, what we do as a team is minimal for those guys. They're putting in work on their own. Um, they're serious about the weight room. They're serious about their academics. In fact, there's a consistency to them. You know, the same person that I see at the field and at practice and in the weight room is the same person that's in class and the same kid that's in the community. That's not that awesome. they're perfect. Yeah, but it's not that they're perfect. I mean, they're still kids. They'll occasionally make a mistake. But when you have goals and dreams and you're driven, your intent is off the charts, you're much less likely to be drawn away by distractions, right? Temptations. So, I mean, when you ask me, you know, I think about the best players that I've coached and the guys that have gone on and done the most, you know, they really do have that in common. I I have, I can't really think of a guy that I've had that was just so blessed with ability that they could just do whatever they wanted and flippantly go through high school and it just worked out perfect for them. I haven't coached that guy. I know that guy exists, but I haven't coached that guy. Um, So, um, yeah, and, you know, it's amazing how they buy in. They'll they'll really buy in, you know. Um, I don't know if it comes with – I think my players have always bought in with me, but, you know, the more you do as far as – they trust you. They, They begin to really trust you, like, you start to build a resume, you know, and they like, well, he's won state titles. He's done this and that. And, you know, if we just do what he says, you know, he knows what he's talking about. And, you know, that's not really fair. That's not fair. I mean, I don't I don't think that I put feathers in my cap and that draws attention to me for my players. But, you know, just thinking over the years, um, you know, I think the buy-in has been a little quicker. You know what I mean? Like some of the programs that I've built, um, when I was a, when I was a really young coach right out of pro ball, um, you know, I think, I think it was a little harder, especially with the parents, 
you know, especially with the parents. Um, you know, they look at you like you're a kid, you know, when you're first yeah. starting the parents, you know. Sure. And now I'm older than the parents. <laughs> you know, now I'm older than the parents. So there's not a whole lot they can tell me, but um, that I haven't seen. But it's uh, I do think that that, you know, really helps um, when you have enough experience that they don't they can't talk down to you anymore. They're actually like, you know, this is an, an adult that I'm speaking to sure. when the parents are, you know, I think. So I really think that helps. And I do think that the buy in is a little bit faster, like. When I, when I left Laney High School, uh, where Michael Jordan went to high school, the, the famous Laney High School in Wilmington, North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, I coached there for uh, 13 years, my first 13 years, and um, built the program, you know. And uh, the first four or five years were, were a struggle for me, you know, establishing, especially with the parents. Like, you know, they just almost feel like they can bully you around a little bit, you know, whether it's with money or influence or – you know, and you got to stand your ground and you got to have that backing of your administration and all those things. But, uh, you know, the kids were worked hard for me. They definitely worked hard for me. Um, but I just sense it a little different. Like this is my fourth year at Glen Academy. You know, I, I moved here on, on the heels of, you know, our team winning a state title at North Hall. And, you know, it just seemed like there was an immediate buy in and, you know, from everybody. Um so maybe it just happens a little faster, but anybody can do it. You know, anybody can do it. Uh, young coaches can do it. Um, but like I said, so, I think at the beginning you talk about being organized, you know, showing that you care. Like you can tell fully, Cheryl, even just with the word, like how passionate you are about your kids, you care about your players. So I think it's having a little bit of those traits of what you're saying too, caring about your kids, being – because I know you're, like, you're extremely organized, you know, being detail-oriented, so those kind of things. Um, yeah, which have ultimately led to a lot of your success. You know, and I've always been that way, you know, in some parts of my life, like if my wife were listening, she would say, he's not that organized, you know what I mean? And then certain things, the things that are most important to me, I'm super organized. And, you know, you hear like the phrase, I've even quoted it, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Well, that's not really 100% the case with me, you know, I'm a, yeah. I'm a little bit, uh, I'm not a neat freak kind of person at the house and all that kind of stuff, but I want things done the right way at the field. And it really, that really comes back to my why though. Like, why am I giving my, cause I could be doing other things, you know, sure. I could go full time with Nate traveling, doing camps. I could, you know, um, but I still choose to be a high school coach. So I endure the classroom, uh, which has its good and bad days, you know, with the, with the regular students at the school that are non-athletes. Um, and, uh, you know, I have I work with players. Uh, sometimes they take you for granted because you're with them all the time. You know, they're paying three grand to go play on a showcase team. So they, you know, they might tend to put like think that's more important or whatever. But when they ultimately when they graduate and they get away, they know. you know, and they really can reflect back, they realize, holy cow, like, you know, how much time and effort we truly give to these guys. Uh, to, to have the best program and to help them individually be the best players. So um, I know it's going to come full circle. So I, my why just stays true every day. I just, I come, I try to be energized, I try to be focused, um, you know, and just, just be the best coach that I can be. And, really. you're, and you said, like it said, your why was all about trying to make a better experience for Kaizen than what you had. Yes. Yep. That's, 
That's what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny because I had a conversation with a, a really great coach, good friend of mine, um, close by, and he, and he asked about well that like why do I do it? Because I, I don't when I was co- you know I'm, I'm coaching um, in the off season stuff like that. Like I'm just not taking a lot of money and things like that. And he was like, well, why would you do? You know, you provide such a valuable service, and I'm like. It's just not what I'm about. It's just not why I do what I do. I mean, I want to provide, like, I didn't, like, I had to handwrite notes and give and, and try to sell myself to go to the next level. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want someone else to do that. I want to be able to give that person a better opportunity than I had, you know, and, and it's just, you know, it's just something that I'm just, that I'm, I'm about as well. But yeah, it's, it's great that you can keep that. Is that, so that's always been your, your North Star, right? That's it. I mean, I, when I, when I got released from pro baseball, it literally went down like this. I was walking the beach in Wilmington, North Carolina, at Wrightsville beach. The Braves had just let me go. And I was like, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I'm a baseball player, you know, what do I want to do? And, um, so it hit me. It was like, dude, you made a promise to yourself that when your playing career came to an end, that you would be a coach. I mean, that's literally like what my brain said to me. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Like the next day I went back and re-enrolled in UNC Wilmington, <laughs> changed my degree to, uh, you know, teaching physical education and uh, made straight A's right through um, student taught. And, you know, I was one of the youngest high school coaches, head coaches in the state of North Carolina, you know, by 25 or 26. Now Laney is, at the time was a top 10 size school in the state, you know, mm. and most people thought I was too young to be a head coach. It's changed a little bit now. Back when I was breaking in, in the mid nineties, there wasn't a lot of really, you didn't see a lot of mid 25 year olds, like as high school coaches, right. You know, not at your big schools anyways. Um, so yeah, I, I like, it hit me that day on the beach and I was like, you know, here we go. And uh, here I am 29 years later. So that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, so it's, it's great. Another thing, another thing to talk about with coaches too, like a creating buy-in, keeping that longevity and staying consistent is, is having a purpose. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, I think that's another great principle you're saying, even without even saying it. So that's, well, I, I think people need to understand that coaching isn't what it once was. I mean, it, it's really, to me, a good high school program is almost of the caliber of what a college program was 30 years ago. Like, you know, what were ex- the expectations that we have, you know, from the community, um, ourselves and the facilities. I mean, like our facilities are off the charts, you know, they're better. My high school facilities are better than my college facilities that, uh, you know, I was a D one player and, you know, we didn't have anything like what we have here, you know, not every high school has that, but a lot of, there's a lot of really beautiful facilities out there in the country. Um, you know, we, we go all year, we're working in season, out of season, summer weight room, you know, uh, booster clubs, um, you know, all the logistics, there's so many more like things that you have to be worried about now logistically than when I first started, you know, really you were just a coach and there wasn't like all these rules, you know, now there's like all these, everything has a rule and paperwork that goes with it. And, you know, it can overwhelm a new coach. Like there's just teaching alone, the expectations that they have at school, you know, with lesson plans and, you know, you name it, you know, it's just, it's on your plate, you know, Buses, umpires, parents, rescheduling, scheduling JV games, varsity games, workouts, dealing with, you know, disgruntled players or whatever, you know, like uh, 
weight room workouts, off season, in season, summer schedule, you know, like camps. And then I'm traveling on the weekends, like this weekend and next weekend, you know, to, to Washington, DC and Kansas city. And I got more this fall. I'll be working on, you know, flying and get in at 12 midnight tomorrow, work camp all weekend with Nate, fly back in, get back at one o'clock in the morning at the airport in Jacksonville, drive back and back here about two 30 in the morning. Get, I'll be at school seven o'clock in the morning, teaching class. You know, doing four on ones after school. Not whoa. I don't mean like you know that may sound like well he's trying to pump himself up. I just want people to know like you know when you're committed, you're committed. You know, and I get a chance to help kids in these camps. That I you know it's kind of the same as me helping my players. We're we're helping. There's coaches that usually come to our camps, so you know they're learning, and and we learn too. Nate and I learn from people that we're exposed to. You know, but. It's just all giving back. It, it just boils down to giving back. I mean, you know, and when you love what you do, um, I'm not saying every day is like hunky-dory, you know, walk in the park, love it. Um, but it, it is very rewarding, yes. Sure. And you're passionate about baseball, and yeah, absolutely. it doesn't feel like you are working, you know. And that's true. And let's, I tell you what, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about camp, man, and what you guys do there. You know, I know that's, uh, you know, with you being the author of the winning baseball and how – fundamentally sound you were and then i know nate put all his and nate started putting all his stuff out about 10 years ago and getting into his stuff and um how how did that how did that relationship start between you guys well that's a great question um nate and i as much as we're the same we're very different you know yeah. he's west coast i'm east coast um he's very like uh he speaks on levels you know like he's unbelievably intelligent and articulate and just has a way of putting things that I would never even think to say. Um, but I also, um, I think we're a really good match. We're like, um, we complement one another because Nate is really more about training the individual and I'm more about training the team and the individual or training the individual within a team a environment. Team. Right. You know, yeah. So, you know, our perspectives are a little bit different, right? And, you know, so if we're talking to coaches, you know, I tend to, I can speak their language. You know, I can talk to youth coaches. They can too, but he's still talking about individual player development more than he is a team. So um, we bring different perspectives, but our stories are eerily similar, really. You know, our routes through college and professionally and our struggles to make it and wanting more information. We were both very hungry, you know, hungry learners like sponges. And, you know, we both didn't learn what we know not even close to what we know till our playing days were over you know and to us that's like the biggest crime is why do you have to be out of the game and done with the game to learn the game at a level you need to know when you're playing right so yeah. it's like it's like been our mission to try to educate and um, again, we, we don't know it all, but, but, but we are students of the game to the highest degree. And um, so basically how it started was, you know, I saw something that Nate did and um, online, I reached out to him via Twitter. We started talking, we called, first conversation was over an hour, um, just, you know, sharing stories. We started connecting, there was an immediate bond. And um, I could tell by watching that he knew exactly what he was talking about. And he was a very high level, high order thinker. 
um, coach, you know, just a master teacher. And, um, you know, I try to expose myself to as many of those kinds of people as possible. I'm not intimidated by people that are smarter than me. In fact, I want as many of those people around me as possible, whether it's on my staff or at camps or what have you. And uh, that had been my trend for years to bring in the best guys in the country for our hitting camps and our, you know, I've had a lead infielding camps for 25 years. And uh, so I said, Nate, Hey, you want to, you know, come down and work camp. I'll, you know, I'll fly in. And he was like, sure. You know, he trusted me enough um, through our relationship and talking and talking infield play. And uh, he came in last Thanksgiving before Thanksgiving, we worked to camp at uh, Glen Academy here and we hit it off and, you know, we accented one another, like I said, and, Literally within a week, we had an opportunity to do another camp in Dallas. And, and that, at that point, our infield relationship, our, you know, trotsky Mongero relationship was born because we went to Dallas. We had kids flying from 14 states. You know, we had 12 states at my high school camp alone. Nice. You know, half of them coming in. And I was averaging about six, seven states a year, people coming in. So with Nate coming in, he's got like his, you know, people that really know Nate more than yeah. – and kind of some people that know me through winning baseball or what have you. And you put the two of us together and, you know, sometimes things just work. Right. And uh, this, in this particular instance, it works. So, you know, we were supposed to do four camps this summer, COVID killed them all, uh, you know, delayed them or suspended them or rescheduled them. And then, so now this one, this weekend up in Washington is our, our first one since Dallas, uh, which was uh, the 28th, 29th and 30th of last year. That was our last camp. So, uh, yeah, really excited. But of course we do the Trotsky Tuesday things. Um, you know, we've done the blue collar lockdown. We've done the virtual infield camp, you know, together. Um, we're like brothers. We talk on the phone almost every day. Um, and I'm, I'm a better coach because of my relationship with Nate. And, um, I would hope that he would echo the same sentiments about me. I mean, I think like we, we help one another. Sure. No, I'm sure yep. he would. I'm sure he would. It's just, yeah, it's definitely great. You can definitely tell the, how well you guys complement each other for sure. But yeah, the, the amount of knowledge that and the details of, of the infielders too, you know, and um, cause it's just like spotting a good pitcher or spotting a flaw. Like there's still something about spotting even a flaw on an infielder or spotting something that might help them to get to a certain angle or a certain spot in the ball. And you can tell that you guys both have that, you know, and you each can do it a little differently and say it and now. Cause I've used, each of your cues, you know, and like, I love his suave stuff and how to be smooth. And at the same time, I love like your just intricacies of your hand placement for you. Like those are right. both great. It is. It's just a great way. Cause a lot, I think even as coaches, you know, we're all looking for maybe one way to something way, maybe different to say it that might help a kid. And yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, it, it really comes down to, um, you know, figuring out what works for you. I mean, I use suave, you know, I use water. I, you know, I use Nate's verbal cues all the time with my own players. I don't care. You know, all I care about is that they understand the concept that I'm trying to teach. And one thing that I think Nate would tell you, I know he would tell you, and I would tell you the same thing is we both have gone from early in our career as being very rigid. Like this is the way you do it to being more freedom, you know, promoting more of the athleticism, more, you know, just um, there's more than one way to do things. And, and um, you know, you try to, we always talk about it all the time, you learn the rules and then when you get really good, you can break the rules. Right. So, you know, um, 
but yeah, we both were like, a, you know, a press through only. We were both, you know, we went through that era where in the, uh, you know, I would say, you know, that's the way I learned in college. So late 80s, all the way through the mid 90s, you know, everybody was pressed through, pressed through, you know, as video got more prevalent, like, you know, I, I used to hate the word funneling. Like I, I still don't talk, we talk more about receiving the ball, you know, and the, make sure you're doing that correctly because there is dangers, you know, to funneling, you know, depending on what your interpretation of that word is. Yeah. But, um, but there is a, you know, there is a press, there's a pick and a receive, there's three glove actions. And we started talking more about like tools, you know, having a toolbox as an infielder and having tools with your feet, with your hands, you know, um, with your actions, with your, you know, with, with your arm slot, um, you know, everything just really having tools like, and when you can create all these different tools and feel comfortable with them, they start to play, you know, they just come out. You don't even have to think about it. They just show up, right. They show up when you start taking ground balls, when you start, you know, playing in the game. And, um, and I just think as a young coach, we got to be careful of that. It's just kind of like, it's like we get smart enough to be dangerous. You know, that you're like, we learn and we learn and we learn and we, you know, we start feeling like it's just, you know, it's this way. Like we have it figured out. Like everything has to be the way. Boom, 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 boom. And, um, and then I think as you grow older, it's like you go through these cycles and you start to realize, you know what, maybe that wasn't necessarily correct, you know? So there's probably three or four things if I had a chance to do those books over again that I would certainly reword or, you know, teach a little bit differently. I think the vast majority of it was on the money. I mean, Tim Hires did all my hitting. He's one of the best guys. I mean, he's a big league hitting coach for the Red Sox. Right. Before that, the Dodgers. I mean, he's he's the best in the world, in my opinion. I'm so blessed to get to know Tim, and we have a dear friendship. And, you know, this that's what I mean. I get to bring guys like him into camp, you know, mm -hmm. Trotsky into camp, you know, Steve Springer into camp. And um, so anyways, Nate and I, you know, we've grown. We both have grown. We went from more rigid to more toolbox-oriented coaches and uh, just preparing our players and building out the athleticism. And that's what I work on every day with my guys is just really trying to improve their body control, their athleticism, their confidence in the way they move and how they move and, you know, their ability to move. Um, we spend a, a ton of time on that kind of stuff, and it really does make a huge difference. What, what, are, your, what are your, like, top – top thing, top ways that you like to build athleticism? Like what are ways that. All right. Don't well, the, the first one is obvious, right? Through the weight room, uh, through weights. So just, you know, how you move weights, triple extension lifts, transfer of energy from the ground up through your body, you know, but we do things like, which we haven't been able to do this year because of COVID. We do all sorts of tumbling, um, literally like rolls, forward rolls, you know, cartwheels, um, you know, we do combinations of movements on the mats. We do animal movements, uh, that mimic, you know, different types of animals, just creating free, free flowing, good hip flexibility. Um, I, to me, that was huge. We did that three times a week this year. We haven't been able to do it at all. So we jump rope like it's going out of style. Um, this was the first year I put as much of an emphasis as I have in jumping rope. Literally every player has his own rope in my program. We go through a 15, 15 uh, stage routine, you know, 15 different movements with jump ropes um, that they do. So their feet, their hands, their coordination. I mean, it's amazing. Just a couple of weeks 
how much their, you know, their body control, the way they're moving, how light they are on their feet. They're, you know, you just see their body start to move. Of course, we do lines. Uh, excuse me. We do do lines, but not that much. We do ladders. And so we're to the point where now we're doing ladders like backwards. So we, instead of like just doing forward movements and instead of just doing three or four, like most people do, we have 15 different foot patterns that we do through ladders and then we do them backwards. So now they're starting to do them. You know, when you can do things backwards, yeah. same thing with jumping rope. We're now implementing everything backwards. Okay. The dots. Um, so weights, you know, the tumbling, uh, the ladders forwards and backwards, the jumping rope, um, you know, those things within themselves. And then all of the wall ball stuff for hand-eye coordination that you see Nate do um, and that I do, we literally do that stuff, you know, just about every day. Um, and you don't have to do it long. We juggle. Um, we juggle off the floor. We juggle off the wall. We juggle with partners. We juggle with two hands. We juggle with one hand. I mean, you know, we literally like challenge them. So when I first got here, they couldn't even juggle. I had like two guys that kind of knew how to juggle. Now they look like a circus. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's what it looks like when we start juggling. They, they, they can do more than I can do. We do ball manipulation stuff with our hands with baseball. It's like, you know, flip, roll, tuck on here, off the elbow, around, you yeah. know, swing it around. I mean, they, they, you know, all that stuff, it pays off, but, sure. it, but it takes planning. I'm blessed to have them during the day where we have this time and they have bought in that, it, you know, that it works. Um, and they're seeing that it works. You know what I mean? Now we go out and we take ground balls and like, you just go, holy cow. Like, look at them move, you it's know, like, yeah. No. So you're, are you saying most of the thing that you do there is, is it just with your infielders or are you talking just full program? Entire program, the entire program. So, we train our entire programs to be shortstops. Our entire program to be shortstops. Every single player, catchers, infielders, outfielders. Because to me, if you can play shortstop, you can play anywhere on the field. The, the skills you need to play shortstop, once you possess those, you're dangerous anywhere on the field. Sure. So, of course, when we do position-specific stuff, the catchers are going to work on their catching, receiving, blocking, throwing. Okay? That's where they spend the majority of their time. But – the infielders, all my infielders except the first baseman, train as shortstops. Okay. Now my outfielders, I, I don't bring them in to train as shortstops, but the training that they do in class, all that stuff I was telling you, they're all doing all that, which to me is training like a shortstop. So, you know, they go out to center field and, you know, they move around with ease, you know, um, and I think it just really, really transfers, you know. And if it didn't, I wouldn't do it. And, you know, I, I truly I, – my players – uh, when they listen to this, if they were to hear me, they wouldn't be going, what is coach talking about? He's like making stuff up, you know? No, this is like literally what we do, you know? And I just think the human element for coaches, there's a lot of really good high school coaches out there, but there's some, you know, the human element is to be lazy, right? So like by three o'clock in the afternoon, three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, how do you feel after teaching a whole day? You're tired, yeah, aren't you? worn down. Yeah. Mentally tired and worn out. Okay. Even if you were teaching PE, you're still engaged. You're still focused. You're still, you know, it just, it just, it wears on you. Yeah. You know. And now four o'clock, you got to be at your best for two and a half hours with your kids. The easy way to do it is let's just take some BP and some ground balls today. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll throw, take some BP, some ground balls, get out of here. Yes, sir. Because you're tired. 
you know, and there's nothing wrong with that routine occasionally, you know, there is a time for a really light day. Um, but I just think, you know, I, I'm not going to be that way. I'm just not going to be that way. No, my goal is not to keep, you know, I'm not going to keep them there as long as I, you know, my goal is not to like wear them out either. So two and a half hour practice, if you're engaged and you have routines like we do, you know, you're getting a, a lot done. So, Absolutely. and they have fun and then ah. you win and that's fun too. <laughs> exactly. So it's all like, it's all leading to that, you know, cause all you're like, you're right. winning baseball every day, you know, and all the, right. the, the game is just the, you know, it's just really your reflection of Extension. your preparation. Yeah. You know, but right. like I said too, like, you're not going to do that because that's not part of your why either, you know, like that's not part of making right. a great experience. So right. it's, it's no wonder. So, I mean, is that, right. is, is that, are those, are, are some of those things that you also incorporate into camp too, to just kind of show people, you know, here's how we're also developing some more athleticism. Yeah, you know, we, we haven't done the jump rope stuff. Um, probably should. You know what I mean? I, I think people – I think young people are amazed. I think when you talk to your team, like, we're going to jump rope, they think, I can, I can jump rope. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can jump rope. And then you, they get out there and start trying to jump rope and trying to do this stuff, and they look like a fish out of water, you know? Yeah. You know, oh, maybe it's not as easy as I thought it yeah, was. It's like saying, like, um, I, can, I can hit a fungo. Yeah, sure you can. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, here's a fungo. Give it a shot. um so yeah no like we do a lot of this stuff you know uh the wall ball stuff the footwork stuff um we don't do ladders um we don't do dots um really to be completely honest and transparent we don't have time like even like people say to us all the time like uh okay you guys are doing an elite infield camp you're nine to five on saturday nine to four on sunday what in the world are you going to do yeah. Hit them ground balls all day. I mean, that's what they think. Right. And then, like, we, we hardly ever – we take a little bit of ground ball time. We have a little bit of ground ball time. But it's just a minor fraction. And we don't – we usually leave on Sunday night and we're still not done covering. Because when you tie the mental side, which is Nate's biggest thing of all the things he does well, I think he does that, applying the mental game to camp. Like, so everything that we do has an element of mental in it. And – um you know, we do so much skill development and we do so much, so many drills. And, you know, of course, we then I teach them the big five, you know, that I do. And, you know, with my guys and um, they just walk away with all of these tools, you know, from camp. So there's not really time to jump rope, do ladders, do lines. Of course, we can't tumble. There's no mats. So um, but they do the wall ball stuff. You know, usually we do get into an element of that. Um, but you'd be surprised. We don't even. Unless we're indoors, which we're probably going to be Saturday up in Washington because of the hurricane yeah. remnants coming through there, um, we will probably get more wall balls type stuff in in that type of environment than if we were outside. Sure, sure. What about so you talk about the big five? Like, what's so what's your big five? You talk about as an infielder. Yeah, so big five or so to me, everything is about routines, and then you build off of routines. Your players need to know routines. So we have a throwing routine. We have. We have our big five infield drills, which basically all my infielders, regardless of what position they play specifically, they all execute the big five when we're doing our position specific work. So one of our practices that we have is going to be, we call it position specific, you know, and basically every infielder in grade nine through 12 is going to be with the infielders, same thing, outfielders, same thing, catchers. And they all have their core drill work. 
So the big five is your core drill work. And then we have other core drills for what position you play. So the third baseman, after he does the big five, which are generic infield drills, and I'll explain in a minute how that works, but they would then go to third base and do five drills specific to third baseman. Okay. And what they need to play that position, middle guys, after we do our big five, we go and we're going to work on double play feeds and pivots, tags, slow rollers, whatever. Okay. We're going to implement an, a, a series of things that, that go above and beyond the big five. And then the first baseman are doing a very similar series as the third baseman, because those positions to me are very similar in nature. Um, so the big five, basically you're doing, you know, you got short hop drills. We got the Aussie drill, which is very similar to what you see Ron Washington working with his guys. You know, we do, we do with partner. Yeah. I've been doing that one for 25 years. We're not fungoing them as short fungos or anything, or, you know, we're partnering. So they're doing short hop drills. They're doing uh, the Aussie drill. They're doing three-step, five-step drill. They're doing choose your hop drill. And then they do a fly ball drill. Those are the big five to me. Like, and the reason why I chose and called them the big five and they're on my YouTube channel as the big five um, is all those drills incorporate specific parts of the fielding process that I think are vital in my opinion to being a good infielder. Okay. So it just allows them to, we've taken all of it and kind of incorporated them into these five drills called the big five. And if you can do well at these big five drills, you're probably a pretty good fielder because it incorporates feet, hands, actions, you know, everything that you need angles, all of it's tied in. Um, and then, uh, you know, so yeah, that's the big five. So we, you know, that's what we do. Um, everything is routine based. Um, and like I say, once you build routines, that to me, like a young coach needs to understand this because a lot of times we're understaffed and yes. like, you're like, I can't do this. You know, like I'm overwhelmed. Well, when you build routines, you know, players will actually be able to execute those routines without you being around. So, or like you being able, like I could go out and work with my outfielders and my infielders know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Now that just doesn't happen overnight, right? You literally sure. got to train them up like bit by bit by bit by bit, put one drill in at a time. So it, you know, it takes years really to build a program. Um, but these are little bits and pieces to it. So I love the big five. Um, we'll work on that in camp. As I was saying, you know, that's one of the things that I'll teach. I think throwing routines are huge. Can't throw, you can't play. And there's been a lot of people over the last five years that have started. And it's not like we invented it, but we have been, I mean, even in my books, I got a thrown routine and winning baseball. We did it in college. You know, I think it's common sense. If you use your throwing time, your warm-up time, literally to get better, to become a better thrower, you know, a better receiver of the baseball, that's going to transfer to everything you do on defense. You know, and it, if you're a good throwing team, you're not going to make a lot of mistakes. And so um, it transfers, and we take huge pride in our throwing. So, again, we'll talk. And infielders throw a certain way. They have certain foot, footwork options. You know, we cover all that at camp. We cover it's, it's, it's truly like most people walk away with their brains exploded. Like, and it's not that it, any of it's rocket science. It's really just it's purposeful. A systematic, systematic approach of purpose, purposeful stuff that, that makes you better. I mean, that's all it really is. There's no magic to any of this stuff. None of it. Coaching practices, drills, you know, it's, it's, it, you got to use what works 
You got to understand the why, like, why are we doing this drill? Because I saw it on Twitter and it looks cool or because it really works on ABC. And I think like, that's a key thing that this player really needs. And then there's certain drills like the big five that I feel like everybody needs. You know what I mean? Like, so there might be certain drills that I have you do because of the weakness that you have, but we're going to all do the big five, you know? So, yeah, you know, it's just, that's what coaching is. I mean, it's, that's the beauty of it. But if you just go into practice every day and you really don't know what you're doing, and you're like, ah, I'll figure it out when I get there kind of thing, you know, and you're not going to get nearly as much out of your team and your players as you would if you prepare. hundred percent. 100%. That way you can be purposeful with your stuff, purposeful with your – Yep. Oh, yeah. So uh, just last thing, I know we're coming up here in an hour, um, is you talked about how Nate incorporates that mental part into, into camp. Have you taken any of those things then into your instruction, either with your, with your guys at um, Glen Academy or anything? Um, yes. <laughs> I, mean, I try – yes. I mean, the, the mental game is, is um, hugely underrated. Um, which means it's tremendously important and um, people don't give it nearly the credit that it deserves. And it's easy to talk about mental toughness. It's easy to talk about the sixth tool. You know, it's easy to, you know, we try to help define it for the players, which Nate has already done, you know, with, you know, um, the rock, the rack, you know, all these things that, he, and what each one specifically means and the, the characteristics of them creating the tough, tough-minded player, um, the focus and energy, being on time every pitch, you know, not taking pitches off, um, you know, the space between each pitch. They start to learn about their brain and how it wanders and the voice of doubt and, you know, how, how we build confidence and, you know, just, you know, and then applying it, you know, the concentration levels, the competitive levels, understanding failure and, you know, playing tension-free. I think a big thing, that, you know, all coaches can do to help their players. And I have to be careful when I say this, but you have to allow your kids to play with freedom. Like you have to give them permission to fail. Um, baseball players play their best when they, when they're having fun and, and they're playing free and easy, like they're playing in the backyard. That's, you know, they got to have fun. Now on the other side of the token, there has to be an element of discipline to it. So you just can't let them, you know, just haphazardly be wild and crazy and talking junk to everybody. And, you know, there's an, there's an element of freedom. And to me, it comes down more with this skill itself. Like, so, you know, I'm going to tell my hitters, like, you know, our total goal as a hitter is, you know, to hit the ball hard. We're going to have an approach. Um, I could care less if you got three hits or, you know, zero hits, if your approach was good at the plate. So, of course, quality at bats, you know, with Steve Springer mm -hmm. being – I mean, Steve and I do a Bible study every day together for the last four years. So, I mean, he and I are about as tight as you can get. And, you know, I'm privy to, you know, inside, basically spending time with him. But the thing about Steve is you can bring him in to hear him speak or buy his CD and you're going to, you're going to get as much as I get pretty much talking to him every day, mm -hmm. but it goes back to freedom, um, confidence, um, when players play with tension and they're, and they're worried about their coach and being yelled at, being punished, um, you know, they play tight. And when you play tight, you don't play to your full potential. So I, I think you have to have um, a, a blend of, you know, giving kids freedom to fail, but 
you know, you still have to have your expectations. You can't come in and just start chucking helmets everywhere and F-bombing this and GD and that. And, you know, because um, that's an element of mental weakness as well. You know, like, how do you handle your failure? Um, so that's a long answer to your question. And yes, um, yes. I mean, how foolish would I be to spend as much time as I do around Nate and not incorporate that part into my players? Because it's a part that I wish I had better as a player. So I want my players to have it, you know, and, um, you know, when I'm around Nate, um, every Tuesday night, you know, we talk for at least an hour, hour and a half before we have an hour show. Um, so we're, I mean, we were, we're recording, he's recording our conversations because a lot of our best talking actually takes place off screen when we're just having conversation, you know? Um, so, uh, I learned so much and then I'm at camp with them and, you know, I hear them and I see them and, you know, I pick up on things and uh, he refreshes my mind on things. And then I come back and I just constantly reiterate that same stuff to my players. So by doing camps, I'm really becoming my goal is to become the best coach I can be and help my kids as much as I can. So it's kind of like it's an extension of me continuing to try to bring more to my players than what I was able to receive as a player myself when I was in high school. You know, give them the best version of me that I can possibly give them. You know, it doesn't mean I'm great. I'm not great. I'm not special. I'm not anything more than anybody else, you know, but I do have an intent to uh, provide these kids with as best experiences I can give them. And I think some of them would say that I succeeded and some of them probably say I didn't, you know, Um, but usually when they get away from the game for a while, most of them start to see the light when they become adults and get real jobs and realize there's tough decisions to be made. And, you know, they start to realize that, uh, they don't see it from the player's eyes anymore. They realize, holy cow, you know, coach's job was a little tougher than maybe what I thought it was kind of thing. So, you know, (laughs) for sure. And they took it for granted when we all do, like you said, we all take for granted those things closest to us. You know, you talk about that and for sure, you know, for sure. But I'm, I'm, those kids are for sure lucky to have you. That's for sure. And all your passion and uh, your servant leadership. I mean, you could tell that's for sure. You're all, you know, big component of that. And I uh, coach, I, I mean, if, if got, we just, we went through so much, is there any way, like, can people follow you more? I know that you're big on Twitter. Um, and I know you do your show. You, uh, you do your shows. Are they just on Facebook live on Tuesdays? Well, we've started them on Gerald Monday now, um, okay. which is, uh, it's on my Facebook, which is Winning Baseball. I have a fan page um, that I've had it for about 10 years, that page. And the Mongero Monday, how it's different than the Trotsky Tuesday is Trotsky Tuesday is infield specific. Um, and Mongero Monday is more the coaching element, like everything involved to coaching. Um, so it's pretty interesting. Tony Hildy, who is the quarterback at Boise State, um, I'm getting pounded with messages and stuff while I'm talking to you, by the way, that's what I keep coming up with. Um, so, um, we have those two shows. So Trotsky Tuesday, of course, is on Trotsky baseball's fifth page. Monday Monday's on mine. A lot of times it gets shared to both pages. So it is Facebook, okay. uh, Twitter, Nate and I are both big, you know, there, um, at coach Mongero on Twitter. Um, I have an Instagram, but I don't post this more personal stuff there usually. Um, and uh, of course, you know, coachmongero.com is uh, it's a new website. It's basically a landing page. And what I mean by a landing page is when you go there, you know, once you scroll down, you're going to see like all the things that I'm involved with right now. 
So a lot of it is going to take you back to TrotskyRanch.com because, you know, I'm a part of that team. You know, Nate and I are a team and we do a lot of that together. It'll take you to the blue collar lockdown. It'll take you to the virtual infield camp. It'll take. But then I have the Dirt Brothers baseball, um, which Nate and I both consider ourselves Dirt Brothers. He's a part of that. But those are projects that I did. So my winning baseball stuff, Mm -hmm. the books and DVDs that I wrote. So they would find that under the Dirt Bros stuff. You know, and it, it's pretty evident when you start scrolling through, you can see. But it's a landing page for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, that's pretty much it. Oh, well, the YouTube channel, uh, again, you can get to that. Um, I, I have a, a pretty big, you know, a lot of videos online there oh, yeah. uh, for the years. You know, just a lot of little tidbits, but they're just snippets. You know, it's it's far from everything. And we're going to have a on Trotsky Ranch, we're going to have uh, – a coach's membership and an infield membership coming up too. And our goal is to make that more than just, you know, the typical membership. I mean, our goal is to truly make those memberships something that's really unique and powerful to the people that join. So that's all being created cool. um, behind the scenes right now. So, you know, and then we have the XM radio show. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with, I, you I know that. with that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that's supposed to start this weekend. I think it's going to get pushed to, a week. Nate and I have a, a show. There's six channels on Sirius XM radio. Um, millions of listeners. Um, it's going to be on complete player development. And Nate and I are basically hosting the show and we're bringing in all sorts of guests, you know, guys like Sheeting or Jeremy Shinger yeah. Sheets and, you know, Tim Hires type people, um, you know, all the connections that Nate has, people he knows. Same thing with me bringing those people and really interviewing them and getting them to share, you know, what it takes to develop a, you know, a complete player or a complete coach. So uh, that's supposed to start this weekend. It's supposed to be this Saturday night. Uh, We certainly will be announcing it on Twitter, but you won't be even putting this out, um, you know, whenever you do. Yeah. So whenever you do, you can probably edit that out, but you know, when, when you show it on Monday, you know, this next Monday, so next weekend will definitely be our first show. Oh, so, so is that going to be like a live event at your camp? You guys going to start when you guys are at camp? No, uh, no, it's actually going to be pre-recorded. Okay. Um, sometimes it's so we literally they're talking right now about us doing this every day, every day wow. of the year. Yeah. So we'll re- we'll record a lot of the stuff on the weekends, like on a Sunday, and then you know it'll play through the week uh, as as its own episode. We certainly have one a week for the entire year. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we start, we were supposed, to, like I say, we were supposed to record tonight initially, actually Wednesday night, and then it was pushed to tonight. But Nate's in flight right now to DC for camp, mm-hmm. so he's already he's going to get there a day early, and then I don't fly until so he comes in tonight. I don't come until tomorrow night. Um, so the show is supposed to go this weekend, yeah. So a lot of it will be pre recorded, but some of it will be live. Um, to just depend if we don't have a camp, we can do it live, right? If we have right. a camp, we got to pre record. So, so every yeah. time you get together for camp, you'll be doing one of these radio shows. I guess you could do it all the time, though. Hmm. No, we do it anytime because it's just yeah. radio show. It's, it's not radio. like a Zoom, right? It's radio. We just call in to the studio the, where they're doing it from, and and we just and we tie in our guest and we just talk. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's just kind of what we're doing. Do just a conversation, you know. And that's what, like like yeah. you said, there's authentic conversations. Kind of what you when you get the most nuggets, you're just having yeah. these conversations. So. But uh, yeah. man, I mean, this was this was this was amazing. I mean, I just can't thank you enough. I w- I really wish COVID. Went. Now, I, like I said, I, I was really looking forward to being there because I've always wanted to come to a camp. Um, 
And I saw you come in DC and then not being able to come. I was just, that was, you know, 2020, man. Yeah. COVID is messing us up with numbers and the, and the uh, rules that they have for, you know, that area of the country. You know, if this was in Georgia right now, we, we, there's no limits, you know, uh, KC is much, is, is not quite as stringent, you know, on their rules. Um, they have rules. Um, that's the next weekend. So DC is like hard numbers, you know, not letting the parents even in. I mean, you know, they're being serious business when they're not even letting the parents come into the stands to watch. They got to stay out in the parking lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. That's the difference here in Maryland. That's for sure. East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll be back. We'll be back. You know, we'll be back. We'd love to have you. We, yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you anytime. I'd appreciate it, man. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be great. I would love, love to do it. Love to do it. But, um, so yeah, cause I used to, um, cause coach, I, so the high school I was coaching at head coach was Jim Schlossnagel's, um, Jim Schlossnagel's, uh, old high school where he graduated okay. from. So I've, I've worked coach, I've worked camp for Schloss at a TCU and, um, huh? you know, always looking to work. I've even talked to Gilly about when we were working his camps too. And, um, yep. Tyler, you know, so, cause I, I mean, I, you know, you just don't, there's not too many, I don't know, like infield is just a different thing. You don't, you don't see a lot of, there's no infield, uh, you're not going to infield lesson, you know, guys have got a pitching and right. hitting, 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 uh, guy, but they don't have like, an infield, you know? So it's just, I, I find myself, right. I, do, I do that for our area and I, I love, I love infield play. Um, you know, like I said, being the infield I was and trying to help guys become that is, is different. And seeing you guys, what you guys do, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, it's part of the tools, you know, and, and people, you know, they forget that, you know, if you don't develop your defense, you can be the best hitter in the world. I mean, how many DHs are there in the major leagues? You know, I mean, there's very, there's 7 billion people on this planet. You better learn how to play defense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, I I think uh, people are starting to recognize that, but you're 100% on the money. There are hitting coaches, there's pitching coaches, and you don't see anybody taking lessons for infield play. Very few. Um, but these camps that we're doing are, you know, what we hope is that they'll truly take what we give them and and you got to take it back with you and work on it. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get very limited benefit from camp. But mm. we seem to really get motivated, hungry kids, you know, at our camps. We get a lot of kids that are that have potential and some that are very highly skilled and others that are just very motivated to be good. And those players typically, I mean, they take notes at our camps. We, we encourage, we want the kids. In fact, they're told in the emails that they have to bring their journal and we talk to them all the time. They take notes on things uh, because the dull pencil is better than a smart mind. We give ourselves too much credit to remember as coaches, as players, as parents, we have them write things down. And um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing infield play. I, I thank you for being one of those guys because I needed it. I didn't really learn how to play defense until I was a junior in college. Um, and I tell my players all the time, I think it's pretty, um, it's a pretty heavy statement, but you know, I certainly feel like my shot at playing in the big leagues would have been significantly increased the odds had I known what I know now when sure. I was, and, you know, a ninth grader in high school as opposed to a junior in college. Right. Mm-hmm. So so I only had a you know very short window to try to develop that stuff. And um, some people are going to figure it out on their own. You know, they just they did. And I think a lot of people did back in our era. But but there's a lot of players that can benefit. 
and you speed up the learning curve and they don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can really help them grow quickly if you just provide them the right tools. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, coach, I know you got to get, get some other things going on. I can't thank you enough for this time and uh, for you know, just being willing to talk some baseball, man. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate yeah. it. Wow. Great stuff by coach Mongaro. And again, just want to thank him. And again, thank you guys for listening again. And please share this episode. Um, text it to someone, share it on iTunes, their review, share it on social media. Let me know what you think. And um, again, talk about a guy that is very detailed, a wealth of knowledge and willing to share and there's no ego to him, very passionate about what he does, um, a true leader in the sense of he's worried about his guys first, and you can tell he's not going to ask his guys to do anything that he wouldn't do. He puts them first, serves them, and um, really fortunate to be able to have a conversation with Coach Mongaro. Um, if you haven't seen, if you haven't followed him on Twitter, please do, at Coach Mongaro, M O N. G-E-R-O. Please check his website out at www.coachmongero.com. Check out his stuff on Dirt Brothers, Dirt Brothers Baseball. Um, if you find Trotsky Baseball, you'll also find his stuff. Cannot you know, recommend his infill clinics enough. You know, you've heard in the conversation that we had, there's just people getting lessons with pitching and hitting, and you just don't see those things happening on the defensive side. And you know, if you can be elite in something, you have a special tool, you know, that's going to play. And um, it's great to have a guy like Coach Mongaro and Trotsky that, you know, really value those kind of things. And there's a ton of other guys out there that are doing it as well. Um, but Coach Mongaro, I just want to thank him again. I just loved servant leadership. I love his passion. I love how he talked about his why, why he does it, and his, his reasons that he wants to give it just a better experience than what he had. And he knows that there could be a great experience at the high school level. And so it's just, yeah, it's great to hear. And it was just so, it was such a great coach and um, learned a lot, a lot of valuable information. Please check out his stuff at Winning Baseball. You'll check out, you'll see a lot of his routines from his throwing stuff. I know people, even around here, Maryland are doing his throwing stuff. People for a long time has been doing his throwing stuff and, um, they're starting to take more of a lot more wall ball stuff, and it's great to see kids doing wall ball now. So, um, but keep get pounding those routines. Check out his YouTube channel. Uh, think about his big five, his big five from short hops, knee work, three-step, five-step, choosing your right hop, those kind of things. Um, but remaining consistent on and off the field is how we talk about that. That's that mental, those mental skills that it takes for the those elite players. And how he does that is by staying, modeling that consistency as well. He's consistently shown up for the last 29 years as a coach and 26 as a head coach. Um, so please reach out to him. Again, let me know if you give me any feedback you can or maybe someone that you think might enjoy the episode or any feedback for the episode. But thank you, Coach Mongaro. Again, thank you guys for listening. And keep getting better.